Good morning, Vietnam. I don't know why that's the first thing that came to mind for me, but it is. Greetings, green man. How are you? Hello. Green man is Cooper. I am Matt. And this is Kingpilled. We've got, I know we always say this, but in this case, I think we very much do have a very interesting show for you guys today. Mr. Erickson. What? What are we talking about today? We are talking about, as the title says, I don't remember what the title is. I didn't um, Chaos, the chaos of 2024, Vivek, Trump, and the rise of a new America. That was just whatever I came up with uh, when I was putting the, the thumbnail and everything together. Um, I've been wanting to do a Vivek episode for a little while. I... I got to give a shout out, first of all, to a random username in the chat. I don't know if he's here right now, but he usually is. Uh, he was on to Vivek quite a while ago. I didn't give him any cred. I think I called him... Uh, I was calling him the... Uh, what was that guy's name? The uh, um, Asian Democrat goober. Uh, all I can think of is his really cringy uh, like SNL thing or whatever that he did with... Uh, Julia Lewis-Dreyfus. Um, what was the guy's name? Andrew Yang. I was calling him oh. Republican Andrew Yang for a while. And I, I don't know if I just caught a couple bad clips of him or something and just didn't like didn't take him seriously. Random username was like, no, nah, man. Like, he's like, he's the real deal. I think he, I think he called him like, uh, like Republican Obama. And he was, he was on to him, this was months ago. So I got to give a shout out to random username. He definitely called it. Um, as I've been watching him over the last, more closely over the last several weeks, uh, I have found him incredibly fascinating, um, particularly because of what I think he represents. I think he's a particularly uniquely brilliant, qualified person. Uh, well, okay, before I get into this, I want to I I preface something. Um, to at least do our best to head off the, the retard spurging. I'm not invested particularly in the outcome of the election. There are certain things that I would prefer to see happen, but I have no control over it. What's going to happen is going to happen. I'm going to figure out how to be successful no matter what happens. So I'm not looking at this in terms of um, the like preferred outcome or anything. I'm, I'm, I'm watching this. Think of this here podcast. And when we talk about politics, current event politics, think of it like uh, you're tuning in to a fan podcast for your favorite political intrigue TV show. And we're talking about the uh, goings on of the characters on that TV show. That's, that's the frame of mind I'm taking towards something like this. You'll see kind of pretty, pretty clearly when we shift from looking at this as a matter of kind of like entertainment and intrigue to actually talking about what it means for us um, in real life. So I don't, I'm not trying to figure out which guy here represents my ideal political candidate. I'm not thinking about this like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not looking into this like a libertarian <clears throat> or even like a generic conservative or whatever. Basically what I'm saying is um, I'm not cringy. I'm actually very awesome and cool and have all the right beliefs. And I agree with everything that you're 
that you already believe. We're we're cool. We're square. No disagreements here. Yes, we're not allowed to disagree. If you disagree, then we're going to ban you from the chat. Um, <laughs> but that won't even need to happen because we already agree with you about everything. That's right. That's right. Don't get mad. No need yes. to get mad. No need to get mad. No need to 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 try to persuade us that um, you know we're wrong about something because we already agree with you. So everything you think is right, we think is right. Yeah. So that being said, except for Kyle. Yes, except for Kyle. Or uh, uh, apparently, I get the idea here that that Gihad Jimmy, or maybe it's Jihad Jimmy, Jihad. Aha! I got it. I got it. Jihad Jimmy. Um, I. He apparently was offended at you uh, saying there's no weebs allowed. Um, <clears throat> easy with the homophobia. That one got me pretty good. I, I got to admit, Jihad Jimmy, that was a good one. You got you got a zinger. Um, do us a apparently favor. Apparently, we've got a weeb in YouTube. the chat. Yes, yes. If you're if you're a weeb or if you're not a weeb and you're in the chat or we you're watching this you. in the replay later on, first of all, we agree with you. Second of all, please like the video. Um, get them likes up. Oh, I just looked over and saw the viewer count and the like count both go up at the same time. So good job, guys. Like the video. Um, you can also watch this on, we're streaming live on Facebook and Twitter, and then we'll have the podcast posted later on. So those are all the, all the bases covered, all the housekeeping. Uh, you, you know where to find us. You know how to be a good listener and give us the things that we want. The next point that I'll make is... I'm not going to be voting in this election. I don't care. Like, I, I don't believe, I think the events of the last several years have, have made it very clear what the, the actual voting dynamic is. The, you know, the election's been fortified, and the next election will be fortified. I believe that. I recognize that. This is common ground. Again, we agree. Fortified. That was the word. Yes, yes. What were we saying? We were saying... Uh, Secured... Um... Yeah. Like, uh, you were using some word with like an E at the beginning. Yeah. I don't remember. We were, we were trying to think of fortify. Cause it was like, that was the perfect, this just, they, when they came out and they told on themselves, they, they just told us exactly what they did right after the election. They, um, they had that piece where they, it was in time magazine or something like that, where they, they fortified the election. Um, and they bragged about all the things that they did, the way Mark Zuckerberg got involved and everyone was, was there to, to make sure that the election was fortified. So I for fully believe, like, for I our believe democracy. the election is going to be, yes. I believe our democracy is going to be fortified in 2024. I believe that uh, the, the, so when we talk about this, when we talk about what we believe is going to happen, you have this as a kind of a, we, we take it for granted, Cooper and I, when we talk about these things, because we're, you know, we basically share a brain. Um, I, I share his brain. Um, so anything that I say is his fault, ultimately. I, I got all my ideas from him. He's responsible for all of them. There we go. All of our fine print out of the way. Those are the things we should just share in common naturally. We just kind of assume them. So I want to make sure that we, we keep that straight so we kind of don't derail because we've got a lot of stuff to go through today. Um, all right. So Vivek. I think Vivek is an incredibly singular candidate. He's probably the best. In, if, we were, if we were ranking candidates for president, I think... In a vacuum, he's probably the best single candidate for political office I've ever seen. Just authentic, polished, brilliant, says all the right things, makes all the right moves, confident, in control of every single situation, but without coming off as a 
uh, like an insufferable bully or um, a blowhard. He manages to, 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 to balance all of these things, which is, which is I think, uh, just from like a public relations perspective is a, is a pretty remarkable accomplishment. Um, he also really catches me off guard with a few things. So I understood that he was, let me, let me put that, this out before so it gives you guys time to, to give your opinions. Without looking it up, how many of you know where he's from? Where was he born? Where does he live? And I knew he was, obviously he's American. He was born in the U.S. if he's running for president. Um, but I didn't know where he was, where he was actually from. I figured maybe he might've been in LA or probably like New York, New Jersey. Um, you know, something, something like that was basically Boston maybe. I was kind of thinking somewhere along those lines. Uh, Jihad Jimmy says San Fran. Nope. He is not from the West Coast anywhere. Um, there we go. William Leonard knows Ohio. He's from the worst Ohio. state in the union. Yes. The, what did you call him earlier? You called him, uh, um, uh, something along the lines of like undesirables or, or something like that. Yeah. The dregs um, of society. Yeah. The dregs of society. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. He's from Ohio. The dregs of society. Jihad Jimmy says no one is from Ohio. That's right, because people from Ohio are not people. They're not actually someone. Mr. Cable here in the chat is from uh, the worst state in the union. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's why we all hate him. <laughs> yeah, that's the only reason. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like the special kid in the in the room that, like, he's really annoying because he just kind of interrupts all your conversations and is periodically, like, flapping his arms and hooting and hollering, but... You have to be nice because your mom told you to be nice to the stupid kid. And yeah. <laughs> and he's always reminding you that he's from Ohio. All yeah. he talks about is Ohio. <laughs> he says he's still okay with this and retarded. Yes. So yes, uh, Vivek is from uh, born in Cincinnati and lives in Columbus. He also since 2016 has had a house in, in Manhattan as well. But uh, that was, I did not expect that. I didn't expect to see the super polished erudite Pajit be from the uh, from the Midwest, from just kind of a you know whatever Ohio. We grew up in Ohio. I think there's something to that. I think there's something to so assuming he's authentic because I do believe he's authentic. We got uh, a guy in the chat named Simon the amputee. Are you actually an amputee? Oh, that means we got to come up with some amputee jokes. Yeah. I, I was gotta, not prepared for this. Yeah. We got to make sure everyone knows that we we're going to highlight the thing that's wrong with them and and poke at it incessantly. <laughs> um So yeah, Michigan. I would have believed he was from Michigan before I believed he was from Ohio. Um My first guess was Detroit. Yeah, it was. Detroit yeah, area. yeah. Yeah. Cuz he's genuinely he's he's so exceptional that how could he possibly be from Ohio? Yeah, right. Uh, so as I'm as I'm watching what's going on here, I'm kind of evaluating him and, and, and looking at what his strategy is as he's come into it. He actually has gotten to the point where he this is part of the thing is he doesn't hide anything. He just tells you everything. He tells you exactly what's going on, exactly what he's doing, exactly what he's thinking. Um, his essentially what he sees his role as is a backup option in case Trump gets taken out. So if Trump is uh, either you know, 
meets his end somehow or gets uh, 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 like the Supreme Court rules that he can't run, um, which if he does that, I think he still may run. But, um, you know, for some whatever reason, Trump is taken out of the race. Vivek is running to be the guy who steps in for him. Not now. I'm not from this. I'm not saying that I think he that Trump has put him up to this. I don't think that's the case. I don't think Trump is planning backup options for himself. That would be like the least Trumpian thing of all times for a variety of reasons. I think Trump is fully intending to run and win. And I think if he does run, he would win if it was an actual election. Again, we agree with you. The election's been fortified. Oh, my God. (laughs) Kyle said he can't think of any jokes. He's stumped. (laughs) All right, we don't need to think of any others. He somehow managed to get the best one right away. (laughs) Oh, Simon Simon says he lost his legs getting hit by a train. Jeez, man. That's rough. Two stumps. Wow. Yeah. Are you... I've seen the videos on Twitter. Are you... uh, um, are you a Pajit yourself? Because apparently they have a thing with getting hit by trains, like walking along and filming themselves and just getting absolutely like their clocks cleaned by a train <laughs> for some apparent reason. <laughs> so, uh, oh, Zach Putnam said, I'd make a joke, but I don't want to get cut off. All right, you guys, you guys are doing well today. I appreciate you guys. Uh, Colin Next Rock time, make the joke. To... <laughs> uh, Colin Rock says he, that... Uh, he seems more MAGA than Trump. Yeah, yeah, he very much is more MAGA than Trump. He's He is like if you had 2016 Trump, except an actual, like, not a cartoon character. And I say that lovingly. Like, you know, Trump, Trump is our boomer. Trump is our cartoon character. Uh, Vivek is like 2016 Trump, not a cartoon character. What's impressive is that he has managed to be... 2016 Trump after 2016 Trump. He's 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 doing the 2016 Trump effect to post 2016 Trump. But it's very interesting the approach that he's taken where he is um he's managing to run against Trump without running against Trump. This takes very delicate like uh walking the tightrope. And as I'm watching what he's doing, I'm like, okay, so if this guy thinks that there's actually a viable chance that he could be elected, which, again, grading in a normal election view, I would say that there's, it's more than plausible that he'd be elected if Trump was out of the picture. If he actually thinks there's a legitimate chance that he could get elected, he's easily smart enough to know that this is not a, like, I'm going to run up as the lone voice crying in the wilderness and fling myself against the the castle wall and think that it's going to move for me. He's just watched what happened with Trump. He's watched all of that. He very clearly understands that. He's you don't you don't understand the the vast amount of stuff that he understands and be able to speak about it coherently off the cuff without having a really deep understanding of the way the system works. So that leaves me assuming, and I believe um, very justifiably, 
that he is the tip of the spear of something deeper that we aren't seeing clearly right now. Disgruntled Docs says we're gooning in the tunnels. Hey, yo! What's up, Disgruntled Docs? Um, so, yeah, oh, here you go. Two-bit podcast. He's PayPal Mafia Trump. Yeah, that cut right to it. I, Tubit and I have discussed this quite a bit in the in the, the Kingpill Discord, and we were talking about this the other day, that uh, the PayPal Mafia, I think, is the story of 2024. The PayPal Mafia being the cabal of executives centered around the guys who founded Facebook, or sorry, who founded, uh, some of them did found Facebook, but uh, centered around the guys who founded PayPal. The most visible of these would be Elon, obviously, and Peter Thiel to a lesser degree. But the if you start looking into those names, looking at how much influence they have, and note that you don't know any of their names. These are not guys who have, they've been incredibly successful, involved in most of the biggest tech company successes over the past 20 years but they've basically stayed in the shadows. They're, they're kind of like generic, no controversies, no, nothing, nothing to note about any of them. They all just kind of look like generic neo-lib guys. However, they're extremely close associates of Peter Thiel and Elon Musk. And I don't think that that's a coincidence. Both of these, both Thiel and Musk are very clearly extremely gifted long-range thinkers who are uh, to some degree polymathic. They're, they're brilliant across like three or more fields of study. You look at, at there's the, the financial products that they've created. Obviously you've got Tesla, you got SpaceX, you got the boring company, and then X, Twitter, for Elon. And then you've got uh, Palantir, which is one of probably the most important company that, that Peter Thiel started because it's, it all concerns uh, like data collection and analysis and all of like their, their major clients are uh, three letter agencies. They're, they're, they're extremely deeply embedded in the US national security state. So, <coughs> I've become convinced, as has, has Jason, that a lot of what we're seeing, a lot of the activity that we're seeing, particularly around Musk with his takeover of Twitter and some of his, his self-assuredness, his, the, the, the things that he's able to do that demonstrate that he's insulated from the typical techniques of the regime. That he's, when he came out and he told the, the uh, Twitter advertisers who were leaving, he came out and told them on live TV, go fuck yourself. That's a, that's, that's not just posturing. Those are the, the words of a man that knows he is insulated from the schemes of his enemies. The only way that this is possible, because Vivek acts very much the same way. Vivek isn't campaigning and talking about things like he's one self-funded billionaire. If he was, he'd be suicidal. Because it'd be, it'd be easy to marginalize one self-funded billionaire 
with the the state of heightened alarm the regime is in right now. You had a self-funded billionaire who caught them by surprise in 2016, but they're not trying to have that happen again. So like being, you know, hey, I'm going to be the self-funded billionaire that's going to catch them by surprise this time. It doesn't, that doesn't square with the um, overall intelligence and insight that Vivek Ramaswamy has. So our theory for a while has been that uh, he's associated with the PayPal mafia. But we didn't know exactly how. We didn't really know what the connections were that clicked them together. We knew they were in there somewhere, didn't know exactly what they were. So um, let's so I let's dig a bit into his into his background here and see some of the stuff he's been involved in, just so you get a clear picture of what this guy is about. <clears throat> so uh, he's thirty eight, so he is a millennial by birth, even though he doesn't he doesn't really embody the millennial spirit. Uh, American entrepreneur and presidential candidate, he founded Roy Vant Sciences, a pharmaceutical company, in 2014. Uh, he was born in Cincinnati to Indian immigrant parents, graduated from Harvard with a bachelor's degree in biology, and then earned a law degree from Yale. He worked as an investment partner at a hedge fund before founding Roy Vant Sciences. He also co-founded an investment firm, Strive Asset Management. We're going to come back to Strive Asset Management in a minute. Um, uh, in August of 2023, Forbes estimated Ramaswamy's net worth at more than $950 million. His wealth comes from biotech and financial businesses. Uh, so his parents were uh, Indian Hindu immigrants. They're Tamil-speaking Brahmins. Uh, his father is a graduate of the National Institute of Technology, Calicut, and worked as an engineer and patent attorney for General Electric, while his mother a graduate of the Mysore Medical College and Research Institute, worked as a geriatric psychiatrist. So both of his parents are Brahmins through and through. This guy understands the Brahmin worldview in Brahmin terms and in Yarvinian Brahmin terms. If you've read Curtis Yarvin, he talks about the Brahmins, which is basically the, um, the rich liberal white people culture that dominates America. That's Brahmin culture, all the, like the, elitist high-class culture. This guy, he, he deeply, intimately gets both of them. Uh, raised in Ohio, growing up, he often attended the local Hindu temple in Dayton with his family. His conservative Christian piano teacher, who gave him private lessons from elementary through high school, also influenced his social views. He spent many summer vacations traveling to India with his parents. In high school, he was a nationally ranked tennis player. Uh, he attended, so he went to public school through eighth grade, then he went to St. Xavier, a Catholic school affiliated with the Jesuit order, graduating as valedictorian in 2003. Um, he went straight to Harvard, graduated four years later. At Harvard, he gained a reputation as a brash and confident libertarian. He was a member of the Harvard Political Union, becoming its president. Uh, while in college, he performed Eminem covers and libertarian-themed rap music under the stage name and alter ego Davek and was an intern for the hedge fund Amaranth Advisors and the investment bank Goldman Sachs. That's, that's kind of cringe. Have you seen the video of him rapping? No. Oh my goodness, okay, hold on. I don't know if I want to. Vivek rapping. This must be shown. Is it cringe? Oh yes. I don't want to watch this, dude. You must, I'm sorry. 
Ah, oh, I, I can't. Let's take my headphones out. I'm not listening to this. Okay, anyways. He's, uh... <laughs> Please no. <laughs> he, <laughs> he is a... Uh, I don't, you know... Grading on the... Not uh, my guy. Not my guy. Of... Not interested. <laughs> Grading on the curve of uh, random people just randomly rapping Eminem, he actually is not like. How do I say that he's good at doing it while still being bad? Like he's not worth listening to, but he 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 is gifted at the technique of it. it I don't believe you. <clears throat> anyways, he wrote his senior thesis on the. No, no, not questions. anyways. What? That right there. You don't think that just sinks everything? This happened at the beginning of his campaign. This happened like before everybody knew as, him. Before no, like knew who he this was. was trending on Twitter when it happened. Uh, it happened long ago. There's no like it's nobody cares. Nobody cares in part because he actually manages to do it and be really likable as long as you're not a misanthrope. He actually no, manages that... to be like relatable and and like self-effacing with it. No, 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 no. Like I don't care when that happened. I don't care if it hasn't sunk his campaign like objectively. I'm asking you. You don't think that like in your own heart, in your own mind, that doesn't just sink it for you? No, not even. Remotely. No, no. Oh, wow, it's that, that's like unforgivable for me. It's like <laughs> game over. If it if it had sunk him, then I would hold it against him. But to me, the fact that he did that, it didn't sink him. And actually, he came off like almost likable from it is evidence of his, his I don't know, his quality or whatever. How did that come across as likable at all? Well, first of all, you have to like have a baseline level of liking people. That's, that's the first part. Okay. So, I mean, do you want me to go on? Yeah, I don't understand that. Explain it yeah, to yeah, me. Yeah. Well, get uh, kind of get that one. Um, who's that black scientist guy? Who's like really Neil deGrasse Tyson? Yeah, can can you get him to explain it to me like I'm retarded? Um, well, I don't know. There's what's the thing about about blind guys leading blind guys, and then they both fall in a ditch. Hmm. What I mean is, you're gonna wind up rolling around in a ditch with Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> uh anyway so he he wrote his senior thesis on the ethical questions raised by creating human animal chimeras uh he so here's where here's where people start start spurging about him in 2011 ramaswamy was awarded a postgraduate fellowship by the paul and daisy soros fellowships for new, new americans which he used to attend yale uh, Paul and Daisy Soros are obviously relatives of um, uh, George Soros. I want to say they're like his, uh, it's his sister or something like that. Um, anyway, so he is one of their, uh, uh, they're like, uh, he's, he's associated with the Soros Foundation and he was one of their people. Like there's a whole bunch of other list of young people who were all like, oh, these were early Soros candidate people. Um Interestingly, he's at the top of the list on this other Wikipedia page. Um, it's almost like it's almost like people are trying to highlight that connection. 
he uh, we'll come back to that here in just a minute. Um, at Yale, he befriended future U.S. Senator J.D. Vance. Ah, there we go. There's a connection. J.D. Vance is a pretty well-documented disciple of Peter Thiel. So now we've got our first connection between them. Um, he, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll speak to the other thing here real quick. So with the, um, him being connected to the Soros people, I'm, how to say this? I'm going to hold that as like, I'm going to hold that thought. It's there. <sighs> if, if he was hypothetically to get into an office and then start getting completely cucked, then it would be <coughs> like, okay, yeah, you, that you, you could see that coming. That was, that was the sign. <clears throat> on the other hand, <laughs> the way that these sorts of, of transitions happen, the transition from one regime to the next, are nearly always led by someone who would appear to be a loyalist to the existing regime who goes rogue. So I don't really, I'm expecting that whoever the, the, the people that kind of lead the transition, I'm expecting that those people are going to, they're going to pass as perfect paragons of the existing regime. Simply saying that he is a part of this group of people isn't sufficient to demonstrate that he, because of that, he's the Manchurian candidate. He might be the Manchurian candidate for them. I don't know. I, it would almost be more fascinating if he is, because that would mean that they're so well-planned and strategic that they're putting up a guy who points and uh, uh, rallies up fervor against all of their favorite things. And a maybe that's the actual who, strategy. A guy who makes rap videos. Yes. Hmm. I was laughing because I, I, I was reading the chat and people were like, oh, please, no, I can't. I'm with Coop. That was unforgivable. And you subjected them to it anyway. Yes, I did. Very proudly. The chat he is with me on this. He didn't make a rap. That video. was gay. He didn't make a rap video. Okay, somebody filmed him rapping he, Eminem. He rapped, he rapped on stage at a campaign event. Live. Ick. Ick. The dude has... Balls of 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 titanium. Ick. So, he here's another interesting connection. Ramaswamy worked at the hedge fund QVT Financial from 2007 to 2014. He was a partner and co-managed the firm's biotech portfolio. Yeah, or autism. Yes, I think it's autism. Um. QVT's biotech investments under Ramaswamy included stakes in blah, 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 and Martin Shkreli's Retrofin. In a 2023 speech and in his book, Woke Inc., Ramaswamy called Shkreli, whose company had greatly increased the cost of a life-saving drug, both brilliant and a pathological liar. He criticized the U.S. DOJ for prosecuting Shkreli, calling his fraud a victimless crime. Interestingly, the part of the reason why he would be motivated to not to criticize their prosecution of him is because he made a lot of his money doing basically the same thing as uh, Martin Shkreli. <clears throat> um, he, so in 2014, he founded the biotechnology firm Royvent Sciences. The ROI in the company's name refers to return on investment. Uh, the company was incorporated in Bermuda, a tax haven, and received almost $100 million in startup capital from QVT and other investors. 
notice that these things, like the way these things are being framed, the way his his Wikipedia article is written, it's they're very obviously like noting that the company was incorporated. At what other point do you tell someone's bio and say where they incorporated their company? They incorporated in Bermuda, where everybody incorporates their companies. It's a tax haven because all of the rich people use it as a tax haven. So the uh, if you're going to sell me on the he's a Manchurian candidate from the WEF, then he also has to be, he has to be such an effective Manchurian candidate that he points at all of the all of the 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 bad things that they do and specifically highlights all of them more um uh what's the word i'm looking for here um not fluently but like uh um uh, he's very good with his words the, the whatever the word is that means that he's very good with his words he's doing all of that highlighting all of their bad things and also all of their little minions don't like him and they're trying to undermine him Again, not closed off to the idea, but you're really raising the bar for just how competent and well-planned out and essentially uh, semi-divine the forces behind the World Economic Forum are. Uh, well, they are. Roy Vant's strategy was to purchase patents from larger pharmaceutical companies for drugs that had not yet been successfully developed and then bring them to the market. So again, basically the same thing that Shkreli was doing. Um, he uh, was involved in Alzheimer's disease development, uh, Alzheimer's disease development, um, medication for Alzheimer's disease development. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. What was the other thing in here? He's, he's, had a pretty interesting career. He's interesting to read about on, on Wikipedia, but um, uh, like this here, while campaigning for the presidency, Ramaswamy called himself a scientist and said, I developed a number of medicines. His undergraduate degree is in biology, but he was never a scientist. His role in the biotechnology industry was that of a financier and entrepreneur. So like basically they're fact checking him in real time with his Wikipedia. Uh, so he stepped down from Roy Vant to focus on his presidential campaign, remains the sixth largest shareholder. Uh, Roy Vant has never been profitable. Again, like, like why are these little things placed in here? I mean, it, it's funny. Uh, although Ramaswamy's presidential campaign centers on opposing corporate diversity, equity, and inclusion and ESG initiatives, RSV worked in support of pro-DEI and our ESG initiatives, including promoting health equity and diversity within the biopharma and biotech industries. While campaigning, Ramaswamy has downplayed his role in creating and overseeing RSV. Basically, like, his Wikipedia reads like uh, a regime toady going through and fact-checking um, his own bio of himself. Um, uh, all right, here we go. In early 2022... Together with his high school friend, Anson Freericks, Ramaswamy co-founded Strive Asset Management, a Columbus, Ohio-based asset management firm. The firm raised about $20 million from outside investors, including Peter Thiel, J.D. Vance, JD Vance and Bill Ackman. The plot thickens. Hmm. So about two years ago, Peter Thiel, J.D. Vance, and Bill Ackman invested in an asset management firm that he started just before he decided to run for president. 
Are you connecting the dots here? This is, these are the people that he is associated with. This is, he's the tip of the spear for a rising counter elite, essentially. And it's the PayPal mafia. And now we have Bill Ackman who invested in him. They, and one of the things I was reading, he was asked about him and he distanced himself. He was asked about that investment. And at first he said he liked him, but then he distanced himself and said something about like, we need someone who's more centrist or something like that. So now it just, just kind of connecting some dots here. It seems like there's something afoot. Bill Ackman is this billionaire who's, who's uh, going to war with academia now over the whole plagiarism thing because Business Insider went after his wife. And you've got this Ramaswamy guy showing up. Basically, uh, he basically picked up where Blake Masters left off. He's the same, basically the same age, very similar bio, and speaks about all the same issues as Blake Masters. This is what makes me think, okay, PayPal Mafia guy. Just and not then, as handsome. Yeah. Um, so was there anything else in his, in his reading uh, Wikipedia is kind of boring. Yeah. Is there any good bangers um, in there? It is necessary to, to get a feel for his background though. Um, so he described himself as, oh, okay. He voted for the Libertarian Party presidential nominee in 2004, but did not vote in eight, 2008, 2012, or 2016. He described himself as apolitical. He supported Donald Trump in 2020. And then in November of 2021, he registered to vote in Franklin, Ohio as unaffiliated, but described himself as Republican. He uh, made some donations to both Democrats and Republicans. And then... Uh, released 20 years of his individual income tax returns and called upon his rivals in the primary to do the same. His fortune has made the vast majority of his campaign's fundraising. I think I saw that he's he's put 20 million of his own dollars or something like that into it. Um, and then I think that's all the stuff. It goes through like his different positions and stuff, but uh, this is interesting. He favors raising the standard voting age to 25 um, and would also like to end birthright citizenship because of course he does. Um, he has said he would allow citizens between 18 and 24 to vote only if they're enlisted in the military, work as first responders, or pass the civics test required for naturalization. Um, and he has called for an ending to the Federal Reserve's dual mandate. This is an interesting thing we'll come back to in a minute. Uh, okay, I think that's the gist here. So I already talked to you guys about that thing. Interesting little news point that came out uh, today is he, is this the article? Um, yeah, here we go. So, yeah, this one here. So when, when the, the, the news broke about the Ohio's or the Colorado Supreme Court saying that, uh, that the um, barring Trump on the state ballot, he came out without within, I don't know, like 20 minutes of the news breaking and immediately removed himself, said he was going to be removing himself from the Colorado ballot if Trump was not on it. And he encouraged all the other ones to all the other uh, Republican candidates to do the same thing, um, 
which is uh, interesting from a from a like a, a political strategy perspective. And it again, it 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 points to how he's managed to run against Trump, but also run alongside Trump, and 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 basically managed to not directly oppose Trump and piss off his voters because he's targeting the same voters, but present himself as an ally. Like this is what these this is what the average American generic moderately red voter this is all they want we were talking about this earlier that they just want someone who's going to speak to them just speak their language not even necessarily give them the things that they're promising to them but at least just talk to them like they're people like they deserve to be treated like people like adults not just preached at and lambasted and berated and he manages to do that really really well so today he filed a friend of the court brief for um, the, so the case is going to go to the Supreme Court. So he filed a friend of the court brief to go with it, um, basically advocating on Trump's behalf. This is very interesting. You've got a, a presidential candidate in, um, at the, just before, just at the beginning of primary season, who is advocating in court for his biggest opponent. And again, I don't, I don't buy for a variety of reasons that this is something coordinated by the Trump campaign. This is him doing this. It's it's quite brilliant. It's quite brilliant the way he's uh, I don't know leveraging the 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 political um, landscape in really unpredictable ways. You never predict this. He makes I went through and read the whole thing. He makes some interesting points, um, but the. I pulled up some of, uh, close that window, some interesting videos on him. So this is uh, uh, Dr. Ben Braddock at Graduated Ben on Twitter. He said, among the Republican candidates, I think Vivek is the only one I've seen besides Trump who is capable of interacting with people without looking like a deranged freak. So this was at an event. He... A guy protesting his event. In this oh, room. you did. Okay. Yeah. Would you like to come in and join us? Because I know you've been very vocal. Yeah. This. Welcome um, in. You're welcome. You don't. You don't have to be outside. You're allowed in. Okay. Um, I was actually told that you can bring in signs if you want, but who needs the signs when you have your own voice? Come on in and we'll give you a chance to ask questions like everybody else. So that's one. What, so like, okay. What's up with the music? I don't know. Someone, uh, I, I don't know if he put that video out or whatever. I just saw on the the tweet here. But like, is he? Yeah, uh, uh, Trey Fifty Daniel. This is both possibly staged and still well done. That's the thing. I I would assume this is probably staged. I would expect that it's staged. But it's brilliant. It's very well done to the average midwit just kind of generic person out there, they look and they see this and they're like, dude, this guy's a, this is a human being. It's politically brilliant to do this stuff and to do it authentically. The music, music is for boomers. Yeah. It's, it's like, he's appealing to the boomers. What's up with this goofball. That's allegedly protesting. Look at how he's dressed. He dressed like an autistic kid. Look at his like 
gigantic eyebrows. And I guess you, you might not be able to see my mouse. He's got his big gigantic eyebrows and his sloping forehead. <laughs> his collar is all jacked up on one side. <laughs> Looks like his shirt's probably the third or fourth time that he's he's worn it. Since yeah, yeah. Last. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, two-bit podcast. In his pockets. Says, Activating people's sense of fair play is primal. Right, right. So by by advocating for Trump the way that he is has been doing, he's and and like consciously working against his own interest ostensibly, it's politically brilliant. <laughs> Only autists would be protesting the third best presidential candidate. <laughs> um so here's a tweet from uh from earlier today. He said, I will pardon all Americans who are targets of politicized federal prosecutions. And those who were denied due process on day one and when I take office, including all peaceful January 6th protesters and those who were denied their constitutional due process rights with an individual case by case review, including all of those who pled guilty in absence of full information. There's a video here where they go on. Um, he goes into more detail on it. Um, I'll just retweet that. You can go um, at Real King Pilled. You can go watch it later if you want to. Um, like, OK, so he's promises he's going to do this, all this stuff. All right, cool. Like presidential candidates make big promises. Oh, my first day in office, all blah, blah, blah. Okay, sure. At least he's saying it. Like there's there's no other candidate out there. Trump is kind of, but like there's no other candidate out there who's really advocating for the January 6th people. And he exposes himself to a tremendous amount of heat and um, he's going up against significant power, pissing off significant power blocks by doing that. So he's definitely exposing himself as... as um, not just a a like a not just in opposition to the regime, but like actively hostile to the regime. So this was a very interesting answer for a, a couple of reasons. He is asked by Luke Rutkowski just I'm sorry I have to I'm 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 more upset that I have to play you guys a video of Luke Rutkowski asking him a question than I am that I had to play a video of him rapping. Um but Oh, I'm not. Note what he, uh, what? I'm not. Yeah, I know you're not. Um, I would prefer this over the wrapping. So I'll just play this. Could, could we go a little bit deeper here? Because uh, you, you mentioned Maybe not. Uh, the Federal Reserve just a right. little bit. And uh, this is an institution created in 1913 that's a quasi-private cartel parading around like it's some kind of private bank when it's uh, essentially not. Thomas Jefferson said that he believes banking institutions are more dangerous to our liberties than standing armies with their corporate bailouts. Ask with the, the fucking question! Essentially a tax on the poor, a theft of resources Libertarians, from the people in this country. And the Fed, yes or no? I would like to, but that requires legislation. I'm interesting. I would like to, but that requires legislation. That's as the guy Brad Nichols here says, he makes promises he can keep as head of the executive. When something requires Congress, he prefaces it that way. So he's not coming in and just giving you talking points to tell you what you want. He's not just like he's not just coming in and like preaching to the choir in a really insincere way. He's going above and beyond with his answers. So he's being realistic, like, like as president, it like it, it it's a little, that's not, if you were going to end the Fed, you wouldn't end the Fed by having the president say no more Fed. It, it has to go through Congress. But listen to what he says he's going to do. I make promises that I will keep as your next president. And here's the promise I'll keep with respect to the Fed. 
is a 90% headcount reduction at the U.S. Fed combined with restoring effectively a single mandate, one purpose, peg the dollar to commodities, stabilize the dollar as a unit of measurement. It should be just a basic function of arithmetic and nothing more. And again, part of the problem is you got those 23,000 people or so at the U.S. Federal Reserve now that we don't need to do that narrow function of pegging the dollar to commodities. They find things to do. That's where the central bank digital currency comes from. That's where a lot of these, the CBDC, which is a backdoor way of ensuring a government surveillance system of being able to wipe you out for doing something the government didn't approve of. Right. That's how you get to raining money from on high like mana from heaven in the aim of balancing inflation and unemployment. It's like the equivalent of hitting two targets with one arrow and missing at both. So hopefully that answers Well, so, so could, could we, I mean, I'll also say, like, of course he's the hedge fund guy, so, you know, he knows his shit, but you notice any time that he talks about something, he very clearly has a really firm grasp of the subject he's talking about. He's not just reciting talking points. He has like a really nuanced understanding of a variety of different really complex systems. Um, so this one here was interesting. I'm gonna speed this one up because the video's five and a half minutes long, but I think it's worthwhile because it again highlights, this is for people who haven't really been following along with what's going on with him. And I want you guys to have a, like a clear understanding of where he's coming from, not for him specifically, but for the power block that he represents, because it gives us ideas, I think, of what angles they're taking, how this rising counter elite is positioning themselves. So um, I think, yeah, I think, I think all, the, all the necessary context is in the video. If this is okay, and uh, I'm just kind of curious on the, the previous question that you yeah. asked, those four things that were provably false. Yes. Were in the, and I'm just kind of curious. I know some of these guys have been following some of you guys. I'm curious if there's any national media who actually believes that they were. Actually, it's a good question, Eddie. So Eddie's a, one of the, you guys are colleagues, colleagues, two of the top state reps here. And I think that that's a good, it's a good thing to be curious about. Just by, by show of hands, who here is willing to admit that the Trump-Russia collusion hoax was indeed incorrectly reported by the mainstream media. Is there anybody here able to admit that that was incorrect reporting? It isn't really appropriate for us to use question. Why not? Why would that be inappropriate? I think it would be inappropriate. What's inappropriate is lying to the public. We're, just, we're doing our job. Well, the public lied to or did the media report on this effect that would provide that? So, I, so that, that's a fair question. I actually think that the public was lied to long after the media systematically still understood that this was the product of the steel dust. Again, I want to highlight, he says, she asked him a question, and he doesn't just immediately, like, this is where he's, he's trumping Trump. So he's he's making all the same points as Trump, but he's doing it like with razor sharp accuracy, and he's very seriously a very an extremely credible, focused, uh, eloquent person. She asks him a question, and he isn't just like, okay, she's pushing back, so initiate default response. He's actually adapting in real time and actually responding to her question. He takes her question seriously, steelmans it, and responds to it. I don't know if I've ever seen a political candidate that actually does that. That isn't just basically has his his default recited answers for every single thing he he's going to say. She says, "Well, was the media um were the media the ones lying or were the media the ones who were just passing on the lies and didn't know that they were lies?" Obviously, those of us who are jaded against the media as he he clearly is as jaded against the media as we are, but he takes her question seriously and answers it, which is even more effective than just dismissing it dossier the steel dossier was a piece of russian disinformation provided by the hillary clinton campaign 
that was served up to the federal government as a basis for issuing a FISA warrant to then potentially infiltrate a member of the opposition party. If this was Bush and Cheney doing it to John Kerry, this would have been the stuff of scandal, impeachment and worse. And yet I think it was an intentional lie that the media said that that account, which we now know to be true, was actually the Russian disinformation. Now, Sean, I would be charitable in my interpretation of that if it were just one instance. Let, let me give an easier one, just by show of hands. Does anybody believe the media's reporting about the origin of COVID-19 ran flatly in face of the facts that you have a Wuhan Institute of Virology that was now the likely origin of the COVID-19 pandemic? You all said that it wasn't for a long time. By show of hands, was the Wuhan lab the likely origin of the COVID-19 pandemic? Everybody, media or not? So, so you have reported, the same media that has reported that the COVID-19 pandemic did not originate in a lab in Wuhan is willing to even say, I'm, I'm willing to admit today. It was known that there was a Wuhan Institute of Virology where they were conducting gain-of-function research, the very city which was the origin of a global pandemic, and yet the media's explanation was that somehow it could have been any source other than actually having started in the lab. I just think that that's systematic, systematically unacceptable. The Hunter Biden laptop. Is the Hunter Biden laptop story as reported by the New York Post, which was shut down, had the Twitter account locked, for anybody who is even sharing the story of the Hunter Biden laptop found on the eve of the last election, the media reported that it was Russian disinformation on the eve of that election. Does anyone here agree that the Hunter Biden laptop story as reported by the New York Post was indeed accurately reported and was not Russian disinformation, but was in fact a factually owned laptop of Hunter Biden? I mean, you, you got to, man. I mean, your, your paper reported it. <laughs> does, anybody, does everybody else seriously not believe that? I mean, I wish so, that Hunter Biden really Giuliani over the laptop, so I don't think that so, so you don't believe, so you think that it actually was the product of Russian disinformation, as was reported by the media, that was the basis for suppressing this at the time? For the Hunter Biden case, yeah. I'm not sure why we're talking about that. Because it was election interference on the eve of the last election. And I think there's the same kind of election interference happening this time around. And I think it's happening the early waves of it with respect to the treatment of my candidacy. And I think that that is likely to be a major problem heading into the next year, unless we're able to open and openly and transparently acknowledge the mistakes of the past. Without acknowledging the mistakes of the past, I think we are destined for an even more dangerous future. And I do not want to see a repeat of what happened in the 12 to 15 months leading up to January 2021. I don't want to see that in this country. And I worry we're on a path to far worse than that until we have accountability 360 degrees for the mistakes that were made in that lead up. And the Hunter Biden laptop story and its suppression, Shauna, I do believe was a key part of the lead up to that. I think the suppression of the origin of COVID and the origin of the pandemic was a key part of the lead up to what happened in January of 2021. I think that the systematic suppression of speech in this country, even about debating the lockdowns, was a key part of what culminated in January 6, 2021. And as somebody who's looking to lead this country and hopefully, dare I say, reunite this country, I think it is critical, it is vital to the future of this country that we not repeat those same mistakes. And yet that's exactly what I'm seeing play out in slow motion, hiding in plain sight. And so it's my concern for this country that leads me to run for U.S. president. It's my concern for this country that causes me to raise where aren't some ancient issues to be swept under the rug. I think that history is relevant to what's happening today. What are your thoughts on that, Cooper? Um, he's sharp. He's a sharp guy. I, I don't know. It doesn't really do it. Do it for me. I don't know. Okay. Like I, I think I kind of prefer the, I prefer Chump just kind of being like "fuck you," you know. Mm -hmm. I like that better. Zach Putnam says he says all the things a Christian wouldn't be allowed to say. That's a very interesting point. The fact that he is the the non-Christian brown guy, he's playing on that. He's using that very much, very self-aware. But he is able to get away with saying stuff and pushing narratives forward. I don't really care about the the saying stuff for like. Um, you know, like he's going to convince people. He's going to wake people up. Like I don't, I don't really care about the opinion of the majority. What I, what I do care about is the narratives that are happening, because the narrative is the level that actually matters. The narrative passing back and forth, and he's now saying 
to say that there is, I don't even know if I can say the phrase, um, interference in the erection, um, <laughs> to even be able to like, to talk about that and suggest that that's going to happen was once upon a time, like hair raising. And now he's just saying it plainly. He's, he's like directly predicting what's going to happen. He's broadcasting exactly what he thinks is going to happen. Um, one thing I wanted to highlight here with uh, uh, 2Bit is he said, why would you destroy an institution when you can take it over and use it the way you want to? The Fed, the FBI, the CIA, ADL, et cetera. Right. From a libertarian yep. perspective, when you look at this, from a libertarian perspective, when you say, oh, take over the institutions, that means like go through the election process and get someone duly elected. So make sure you have the right narrative or the right messaging and all like, but when you're talking about billionaires, billionaire tech founders who have major stakes in the most, like some of the most fundamental technologies that the entire world uses every day, those guys actually have the sand in their pants to do this sort of thing, to take over institutions. For a guy like him, who clearly actually has designs on the Oval Office, even though he also clearly recognizes he may not wind up there. For a guy like him, the only way he's going to actually embark on a path that would get him there is if he thinks that he has the institutional power and support to actually get things done once he gets there. He's talked about what he would do with the Fed, and that kind of alludes to it. I have another clip here that um, talks about some of the other stuff, some of the other... Ending the, other the Fed is so stupid. Right. Don't end Why the wouldn't, Fed. Yeah, just use it. Force the Fed to yeah use use the Fed. <laughs> Print a whole um, bunch of money and achieve a bunch of things that you want to see done. This video here, I won't play the whole thing. I won't play it, but um, he was at a, a an event here and just chick started yelling at him about climate change, and he calmed her down and said, "Here, I'm going to give you the mic for 60 seconds. Say whatever you want, and then when you're done, I'll respond to you." And so she ranted at him for 60 seconds. And then he basically told her she's a retard and you know, she's wrong about just flatly wrong rattles off some facts. So like, he knows the, 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 the climate change thing. He, he, he understands the, the, the systems. He has a systems analysis level understanding of that as well. One thing I think maybe someone might not completely appreciate because we're surrounded by, um, we listen to all these different talking heads that, you know, you go on a podcast and you you have some guy who's spent the last five years, maybe, I don't know, Tucker Carlson or, or someone who spent the last five years talking about these issues all the time. So we're used to hearing someone rattle off the, the details of the Russiagate thing or the details of the COVID-19 thing or the de but he hasn't, he hasn't been a podcaster. He hasn't been a uh, like a journalist or a reporter who's been just immersed in all of these things, memorizing all the facts, talking about them all the time and all these different shows and everything. The dude's been running like financial companies and stuff. And yet he's still as tuned in to the actual true narrative of all these different related circumstances in a way that is like someone like, I don't know, a, you know, a, a Tim pool level person who's sitting here constantly talking about these things every day for a living. By your Alonzo 499 super chat. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Um, 
All right, so uh, here's his commentary on Justin Trudeau, which is kind of funny. Whoops. Forgot to share the screen. Oops. You mentioned Trudeau in your remarks. You're mentioning him again now. What do you make of the man? Uh, uh, he's been in, in power for eight years now, even though he has a minority government, he's got a coalition. Uh, is he a cautionary tale for Americans? I, I don't think Americans follow Canadian politics too closely. What, what should an American know about Justin Trudeau? This is a preview of coming attractions. I use that sarcastically, unless we course correct here. He's like a Klaus Schwab Jr., sort of a Klaus Schwab disciple. And I think that he is somebody who is a useful puppet. I mean, it's not that this guy is some sort of shining intellect that is somehow a visionary in his own right. He's not. He's a pawn for a managerial class, both within and outside of Canada. That's an interesting phrase. How many, except maybe for Tucker Carlson, how many public figures have you heard use the phrase managerial class? That's a question. Are you asking me? Yeah, yeah. Um. I don't know. I'm not, I don't. I don't pay attention to this shit, dude. Not many. Yeah, None. I guess that's true. Yeah, yeah. No one. I. I, I don't ever. I, maybe you guys in the chat. Have you ever heard any public figure apart from the people like on the fringes of our podcasting circles and stuff who use the phrase managerial class? To me, this is another, yeah, elite class or ruling class. The to say managerial class indicate someone who i mean i wouldn't be surprised if the guy has read the machiavellians given the way he comports himself the way he talks about these issues the approaches that he takes to them and he's saying managerial class that's an that's like a that's like an nrx thing mm -hmm. that's a thing that people just kind of started popularizing within our little circles just in very recent times so he's either come out of our circles or is very tightly associated to our circles. Do you think he's or gone through? Our circles? Do you think he, he went down the pipeline? Because I recall it mentioning in his Wikipedia that he was a libertarian in college. Yeah. What do you think? Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Falling off. Did he fall over the, the far side of libertarianism? Yeah. I mean... Very similar track again to Blake Masters. These are the these are the same guys. What's interesting then, is that I mean Peter Thiel, isn't he buddies with uh Moldbug? Uh-huh. Yeah. Orrin McIntyre. Yeah, Orrin McIntyre says it a lot. So it and 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 you know, the Blaze is 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 a is a uh, a pretty good inst level institution. So, you know, it could be that he watches the Blaze, but I mean a presidential candidate who watches the blaze, who listens to Oren McIntyre, that's like detach this from, I'm not saying, Oh, he might be the president. I'm saying we're at a time now where we have a guy who's very credibly running one of the best political campaigns we've ever, we've ever seen. And he's a, a, a sea hair away from our circles. Speaking of Oren McIntyre, we'll be talking to Oren McIntyre here on Kingpilled next Wednesday evening.
just got confirmation on that today. The subject is going to be, I don't know if it'll be exactly this title, but something along the lines of what happened to NRX. Kind of seems like the whole NRX thing has kind of had a lot of energy behind it for a little while, and then it sort of got dispersed over the last couple of years. And so we're going to go into that, talk a little bit about Nick Land um, and accelerationism. Should be a very interesting conversation. So uh, we will be fielding your questions in the Kingpill Discord server. That's right. We're going to open up a, a, a separate channel in the Kingpill Discord server um, specifically so people can stop drop, start dropping their questions that they want us to ask um, ask him and send them to us. If you want to get into the Discord server, subscribestar.com slash kingpilled will get you there. And yeah, you can ask us. You can give us the questions you want us to ask him, and uh, we will ask them. Uh, two -bit as long as they're good. Yes. Uh, Teal and Yarvin are buddies. That's right. And then he says, Two-Bit Podcast says, this is why we never give up creating new ideas and getting them up the media food chain. Yes. And this ties into what we've been... Um, here, I don't need to have that up there anymore. Um, this ties into what we've been talking about, about some of the stuff that we want to do with the Kingpill Discord server. We got that... We, we put together that that clip and, and, and got it out and got it all pop, um, popularized, talking about the uh, plagiarism with the, the colleges and everything. That was like a, uh, an example of the sort of, of, of activity we could start accomplishing in specifically this narrow sphere of uh, political conversation on Twitter and, 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 so, and, and so on. If we take, say, say we are most, um, uh, I guess, uh, conservative, and we say Vivek Ramaswamy is he's not like some guy who is extensively well-read as a libertarian and then he went and got um went down the the nrx at rabbit hole before nrx was a thing and uh got fully uh yarvin pilled and 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 all of this say he's just he was kind of a garden garden variety libertarian and then he's just kind of listened to to he's like oh, i want to be able to talk to these people so i'm going to learn how to speak their language and i'm just going to go binge Orrin mcintyre podcasts until i can speak their language and it's just all this, this cynical thing. Even that is a big deal. Because that would mean the guy who's just a cynical power craven, like, whatever, sees a viable path into the circles of power to be listening to Oren McIntyre on the blaze. And it shows, so we have Kingpilled, Kingpilled is going to have Oren McIntyre on Kingpilled. This is how close our little circles are to actually being able to influence power politics within the country. That's why I think this guy is significant. I don't think he's going to be president. But I think that he signals the, the he's the tip of the iceberg or the tip of the spear of a power block that at least values our perspective, sees our perspective as valuable, as something worth representing, as something worth throwing millions and millions of dollars to advance. Could it be a trap? Sure. Okay. What's the alternative? Not have anybody advocating for our perspective and our values? 
I'd, I'd, I'd rather take the trap and figure out how to navigate through it. I don't, I don't think it's a trap. I don't think that they're our guys. What I think they are is a rising counter elite to whom we can attach our interests. And that's what you need. Ultimately, I think the way you would define an elite would be someone who, like a true elite, would be someone who is able to influence the politics of a given region while themselves being removed from the consequences of those politics. So you put yourself into a position where you are, say, not geographically attached to a given area. You're not economically attached to a given area, yet you are still able to achieve the benefits of being geographically or economically tied to a given area. You've removed your downside and all that's left is upside. That's an elite. There's going to be elites in every society. Our dilemma then is either becoming those elites ourselves or falling short of that, finding elites and supporting the ones who still value our values. The best kind of an elite would be an elite that is, it has achieved the level of being able to remove themselves from where their own interests are tied to the interests of the given region. And yet they're still invested in the good and, and prosperity of that given region. This is basically a king. Someone who can transcend the, the tribe, the, the civilization, transcend the society, and yet is still invested in the society and is willing to sacrifice and work for the good of that society. Falling short of the ideal king showing himself, I'll take a cabal of counter-elites and I'll figure out how to marry my interests to theirs. Because if they want to take power for their own toward their own uh, ends, their own goals, all right, I'll make my goals their goals. So when they accomplish their goals, my goals get accomplished too. I think this is, I think this is the, the perspective to have on this sort of thing. So the, the Vivek Ramaswamy presidential candidacy is less about Vivek and more about what Vivek represents. And I'm optimistic about what Vivek represents. <clears throat> there was a couple other videos here that I wanted to highlight that gets into something Cooper and I were talking about earlier. So he posted this today, I think, or yesterday, very recently. And this is what he has to say. The system wants to narrow this down to a two-horse race between Donald Trump and a puppet who they can control. And it has become increasingly clear that puppet is not a Democrat, it's not even Gavin Newsom, it's Nikki Haley. It's in our own party. Well, today, one more step in that plot unfolds. Chris Christie drops out. Next up, I'm going to make a prediction. You're actually going to see Ron DeSantis join Nikki Haley's ticket. He's going to be her VP. The whole game, it's hiding in plain sight. Whatever it takes, and this system will stop at nothing. And I mean nothing. To eliminate Donald Trump from contention. It's disgusting. But the same people who have said they're not going to actually take a principled stand against Trump's removal from the ballot. Haley and DeSantis are both in that category. Do the math, people. That's next up. Ron DeSantis says, after Iowa, everybody, including Chris Christie, apparently got a phone call from Ron DeSantis. Panicked was the word that Chris Christie used. This is the way the plot's going. Ron may not know this. Ron DeSantis may not know this. But that's what his donors are going to make him do. That's what's coming next. Ron DeSantis will become Nikki's VP. Whether or not Ron knows it, it's not really his choice. He's not the one in charge of that decision. <laughs> and then the plot continues. We have to open our eyes and not fall into their trap. 
Our America First agenda cannot end. Our movement cannot end with Donald Trump when they take him out from contention. And if you think the system is going to even let this man get anywhere near the White House, we need to open our eyes. We need to do the right thing for our country. They are selling us the rope today that they're going to use to hang us tomorrow. Do not fall into the trap, people. And that's why I'm here. Zach Putnam says, how do we get Vivek to rap our song? That's the question we need to be asking. <laughs> I think it's really um, smart how he says we and us. And they're going to remove Trump and we and us cannot let that happen. Mm-hmm. He's a smart guy. Yeah. He connects like he's 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 very compelling. Like when you listen to him talk like you, you naturally he has he has he's overflowing with charisma. He's, Except he looks like an Indian, you know. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> it's only downside. <laughs> There's that issue. Uh, one interesting thing there is he said, um, uh, uh, we cannot let, uh, he might have used the gay word, um, movement. We cannot let our movement end with Trump. So that's, <laughs> it's, such, it's such, a, such a brilliant way to frame yourself as, without saying I'm Trump's backup, you're saying I'm Trump's backup. It's 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 a it's such a uh, I, I guess just a brilliant way to run the campaign, where you're able to fully campaign and fully compete with Trump, while also positioning yourself as someone who's not competing with him at all. In fact, you're part of the same movement. He's presenting himself as the inheritor of the Trump, of Trumpism. Everyone was like, "Oh, DeSantis, DeSantis is going to be the inheritor of Trumpism." Well, that was clearly not the case. I love how he, I love how he completely big dicks Ron DeSantis in this video, where he's like, "Yeah, Ron's not in charge of that decision. Ron, Ron, he, she, he's going to be the VP whether he wants to be or not. You know, me here, I'm the billionaire. I'm doing what I want. I'm traveling around the country, going on podcasts, having a good time. Ron, he's going to get told that he needs to go bend the knee to to uh, to the the sheepajit. <laughs> he's he's uh uh." Yeah, so some some uh, some alpha energy there. <laughs> if only he were but, like, if only he put on like twenty pounds of muscle or something. He should start doing steroids. Yeah, yeah. Imagine because I being... maybe that's it. It's like I feel like I could beat him up. Hmm. Feels like a nerd, one of these nerds in school that you'd beat up and push into a locker. That's what he feels like to be. He's smart, maybe. It's clever. Know, he hasn't struck me as being. He strikes me as being in pretty good. You know, we're going to evaluate how in shape he is. He strikes me as being in in um in like very good physical condi physical condition. Okay, maybe, but very he's like kind of like, yeah, I, but he should put on like twenty pounds of muscle. He should start bodybuilding. Uh huh. He should start doing that. He should start bodybuilding. So he needs to imagine. Oh my god. Imagine if he published a video of him at the gym with Sam Hyde. Like they're like at the gym lifting and he's actually like, imagine if he came out and he's actually like pretty ripped, but he wears like kind of the baggy clothes and stuff. So you can't tell. And it turns out he's super jacked and he's like lifting weights with Sam Hyde. I want to live in that world. I like Sam Hyde. Yeah. That would make him even more likable. It is interesting what happened with RFK. I am starting to kind of like this uh, this Vivek guy. Play the rap video again. I'm liking him a little too much. <laughs> um, 
there was this is another uh, very <laughs> interesting geopolitical Hassan better hide. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a very interesting uh, take on geopolitics from him. Really slow, slow clicking today. Matt. What? Matt. Are you sharing? Oh. You're not sharing the screen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Dumbass. I'm trying to, uh, uh, Xavier was, was, was complaining about it being like when we share the screen and then we talk, then it's hard to make the clips for it. And then I saw some of the clips from it and they're really bad quality. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's a good point. So whenever we talk, I'm trying to, to, uh, um, uh, minimize the, the, the screen share. Yeah. I think they're wrong too. Thank you. My question is, with the Bitcoin ETFs to be approved, what's your thoughts on, on BRICS as a global organization in the U.S. dollars that are going to lose its value being backed by basically nothing? How do you integrate... I'm sorry, sir. Intelligent questions are not allowed in these press gadgets. <laughs> <laughs> you're, only, you're only allowed to ask what is within the Overton window of established issues that do not matter to the future of this country. Yeah. But you asked one that does matter to the future of our country. Yeah. I'll address it anyway. So BRICS refers to the Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa alliance. That, among other things, is establishing a currency backed by gold, a gold standard, to replace the dollar as the reserve currency of the world. This is a major problem for the United States. It's to permanently increase our borrowing costs if the dollar is no longer the established currency, the established reserve currency of the world, especially at a time where we're $34 trillion in national debt, which isn't a great time to increase your native borrowing costs from the dollar no longer being the reserve currency. So yes, actually, that does matter. The right way to deal with it, though, isn't to try to swat that down, but to increase the value proposition of the dollar itself by pegging the dollar to hard commodities. Single mandate for the Federal Reserve should be dollar stability. Stabilize the dollar as a unit of measurement, period. That's going to be the single mandate of the Federal Reserve, at least de facto, the way it should operate. And I'm going to appoint a chairman of the Federal Reserve who shares that view. And it's the way I'm going to actually run the United States. And I do think that I reject this idea that there's 100 different executive branches of government. There's one executive branch. Read Article 2 of the Constitution. The idea that the Fed is somehow immune from that level of accountability is a vision that I reject. So another... Uh, yeah, another... Uh, Stop saying pegging. Yeah, I was I was thinking that earlier too. <laughs> he keeps saying pegging over and over again. <laughs> um, this okay. So this is the same video that uh, Ron DeSantis is going to join Nikki Haley's ticket. This is the thing that that Cooper and I were discussing earlier. So it's interesting that there is no Democrat candidate right now, apart from presumably Joe Biden, the guy that is you know even. Even like his own supporters have are, are like the dude is is gone, and the dude's brain is made out of oatmeal. This is because I, I told you guys last last episode <laughs> that I have my two different political accounts. I have the 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 one that's with all of you fine people, and then I have one that's sports related, and it's all I mean, Seahawks here. So like, I'm surrounded by people from in my other Twitter account. I'm surrounded by people from both L.A. and Seattle. And so I get the, the full scope of lib, lib opinion. And none of them are happy about Joe Biden. They're all pissed off about him. They're pissed off for like dumb reasons, but none of them are happy about him. He is unquestionably the least popular president of all time. It's not even close, not remotely close. Yet presumably it's just, eh. we're not hearing anything about any other candidates, no other possibilities. The only conversations you hear about Gavin Newsom are from Republicans saying, oh, they're going to run Gavin Newsom. There's no Democrats who are like, oh, yeah, let's run Gavin Newsom. Which is really odd. If you think about mm -hmm. it, like there's just yeah. 
it's no one literally like one year Just, before <laughs> the inauguration and crickets yep so one might wonder why is this where has all that what, what's their plan you know, the, the, the really jaded and cynical ones are like, oh, they're just going to run Joe Biden again and they're just going to install him and just laugh at everybody for feeling weak and, and impotent. And, you know, it's just like the, the humiliation is the point. I don't I I can understand being jaded and cynical, but I think that's that's like beyond the pain. that's really cashing in. Yeah. For chips. Yeah. That and, a little and too on the about, nose there. Yeah. Nothing about anything else that they're doing seems like they're like self-assured or confident or, you know, everyone, there's kind of like a frantic hair on fire all the time, energy going on within the, the, the establishment. Oh, thank you, William Leonard. RIP Pete Carroll. Yeah. Yesterday was a rough day. Um, that's for the sports podcast. So this is interesting. What, what Vivek apparently is, is proposing, and he said this multiple times now, is that Nikki Haley is the Democrat candidate to replace Joe Biden. I don't know exactly how they're going to do this. I don't know how they would propose to go about it. Just I, I maybe just run lame duck Joe and but they're trying to get a bunch of Democrats. So that... You get a bunch of Democrats to register as Republicans for the primary. So there yeah. you go. That would be one way, maybe. And I don't know. I don't know my primary i don't i don't know if that's illegal well but yeah could, like would it be legal to just mask because i was imagining you know just have like newsweek publish an article where they go and they talk to five different people random people in la or whatever and or maybe three in la and two in new york where they say oh well this is this is um obviously my party just is has has lost its mind and and you know joe biden is going to die and we need to make sure that we can stop Trump. He's polling so popular and everything. So what we're going to do is we've registered as Democrats or we've registered as Republicans rather to vote in the primary. And we're going to vote for Nikki Haley to try to, to beat Trump so that, you know, then, then we can, you know, whatever. I don't know if that would be legal. I don't know if it would matter if it's legal or not, but that could be how, how it's, th that would be the story for why, uh, Trump doesn't make it through the primary. Trump gets gets beaten by Nikki Haley because there's no way that in a straight up primary, Trump loses to Nikki Haley. Even and like, what I really want to see is how if Ron DeSantis <laughs> winds up being the VP. I mean, he has become the absolute meme for the failure of a political candidacy in perpetuity for as long as there's like 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 Democratic politics. Ron DeSantis is going to be the, like, to DeSantis is going to become like a word to describe someone absolutely stepping on a rake with their political appearance. <laughs> yeah. He has been absolutely just emasculated to the highest degree. He's been completely neutered. Mm -hmm. He was lured into running by his donors, and his donors are going to sacrifice him to a Hindu chick. He's going to be forced to go from, from, oh, look at me, powerful executive, to now he has to play second fiddle to Nimrata Randawa. That is just, oh, man. Legendary. And I want to see how Pedro Gonzalez ties himself into a pretzel to justify it and say it's a good thing and that it's a success.
Because I feel like he's going to have to. Uh, look, he landed the... Uh, he, like, oh, let's be honest here. There's no way he could have beat Trump. No one could beat Trump. But he landed himself a VP ticket. That's pretty good. That's a success. He's in the Oval Office. And from there yeah. in the Oval Office, he can begin to wield his influence. You know, really, the, the president is just kind of a figurehead position. And the VP is the guy that... Act, he's the one that actually gets things done, you know? He's the... Uh, He's the, the the head of the Senate, and uh, you know he's he's going to real really make sure he can he can um, break some votes, tie break some votes there. It's going to be very important to have him in that position. <sighs> Whatever, Cuck. they're going to sell themselves on it somehow. But so this is what what's what he's laying out here is very interesting, and I think again it's fascinating to have a legitimate presidential candidate like this sitting in his car, filming a video to post on his Twitter account. I don't know if he's the one actually posting these or if he just films the video and hands it to his aide and his aide, whatever, you know, the guy's been a CEO for forever. So he's, he's got a, that sort of thing down. But, uh, I think from a, in a, in a sane world, it would be very interesting in the future to come back and to study the Vivek Ramaswamy campaign, because it's the, really the first well-run non-boomer campaign that we've seen. Trump was 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 great, but he was he was obviously a boomer. All of his rhetoric was all boomer rhetoric. He's very much a, a believer in naive boomer idealism. And Obama was the first, I think he was the first Gen X president, but he was very much a boomer. Like he is his whole thing was all was all uh, boomerish. He sort of pandered to Gen X a little bit at the beginning, but in, in the end, he was very much a boomer president. So what we're seeing is the first, he's technically a millennial, but he he uh, he's like a Gen X millennial versus a, a millennial millennial. So just from like an anthropological or, or like sociological perspective, his campaign's very interesting on that perspective. Um, yeah, hugging the flag is peak boomer energy. <laughs> Who did that? Did Trump do that? Trump. That's yeah. awesome. I love it. Remember when he went up and he just like, he just went up and he just hugged the flag. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this one here is, I think, the last video that I had saved. Pull the volume up a little. If I have not made Javier Millier look like a moderate by the end of my first three months, I haven't done my job. Aren't the, isn't he like like the fascist guy or something? He's, yeah, he's the, the Argentinian president who um, got elected. <laughs> he got elected, and then he immediately massively slashed the federal government. He's, he, like, I don't know, it was like 70% or 80% of the federal government just he fired, just cleaned out immediately. Hmm, interesting. Again, the right answer is you can't reform these agencies. I think the right answer is to get in there and just shut them down one by one. Just say afuera. Afuera. No, <laughs> well, I would say, I, outside. You trying to say fuego? Yeah. Is that what he was saying on the thing? I mean, when, when outside, you could like throw it out. When, right? No, when uh, Millet was all I'm saying the is things off the wall yelling afuera. Afuera! You know, I, I mean, outside. I've said this many times. If I have I not made said, it. Candace Owens is beyond insufferable. Oh, yeah. She talks for like, I don't know why they made this clip like this. She talks for like the last half of it. I'm not going to make you guys listen to that. Um, but like there, she like, She's so self-confident about, oh, no, no, no. It's, she's trying to say fuego. And he's referring to, he's he actually got his facts right. He's referring to when Javier Malay was saying, was ripping the different federal bureaucracies off and saying, afuera, like out with it, like get rid of it. And yeah, anyway, so my, uh, my Candace Owens story was when we were at, uh, at Freedom Fest, 
we were backstage. We were there with Jason Stapleton. So we were backstage um, with all the with all the different people, the speakers and stuff would come fr- come through and, and, and go up on stage. And she did some speech or something like that. So we were, Amy and I are hanging out back there and uh, she came and she sat down and she, she walks in, she's like walking and she's on her phone like this. She comes in, walks over to the edge of the, to the table, edge of the table. And she has this assistant behind her. She's, it was like a kind of a, a sort of tall, maybe sort of gangly white chick and very awkward and kind of, <laughs> and so she comes, she's got like arms just full of stuff <laughs> running in behind her. And Candace just goes over and just stands next to the table like this, just on her phone. And the chick goes and like sets stuff down and comes over and pulls her chair out for her. And she goes and she just is on her phone. She just sits down and she's sitting here just, and she, she's holding a, a, a glass of water. So she, and she just takes a glass of water and hands it up and just puts it up like this. The assistant who still has something in her arms is like, trying to like hold the thing in her arms and try, like, takes the top off of it. And so she's got a cup here and she just goes, just one quick drink and just hands it up there again for her, for the assistant trying to get the, get the lid put back on it again. And then she just sat there, just not, she didn't talk to anybody or anything. She's there just on her phone the whole time. And Amy and I are just like, what a she, bitch. Is she a real person? Just, yeah. Abusing the that help. Was, yeah. Right. Right. That was my experience of, of, of Candace Owen. So needless to say, it has kind of colored my, Pardon the pun. It kind of colored my perception of her ever since. So this many times, if I have actually to make Javier Belay look like a moderate, <laughs> by the end of my first three months, I haven't done my job. All right. So I like the guy I've actually been following for a long time. Look around with a chainsaw. You know? like, yeah, chainsaw first, chisel second. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that got me excited. Uh, I don't want to hear her voice. First, chisel second. I don't want to hear her voice. Yeah. I'm done. Chainsaw first, chisel second. That's an interesting line. Um, so you hack everything off, and then you go and you chisel around the rest of it. Um, I mean, just the fact that we've got, you know, you've got a presidential candidate. Everyone was like trying to get, 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 uh, Trump on Joe Rogan. And I guess, I guess we have to settle for Vivek on, on Tim pool, but, uh, yeah, I guess. So, so all of this, seeing all of this is his background, his connections to, to the, the PayPal mafia, the way he carries himself, the type of rhetoric he has, the different political decisions that he's making and everything. What do you, how has your perspective on him changed, modified, whatever, uh, since from when we were talking earlier? Mine? Yes. I don't know. I don't really care. That's the thing. That's the thing. I'm not the guy to ask because I just don't care. I don't Mm. care who's in office. I don't care who does what, whatever. Burn it down. What about the, uh, the... Do you see? Do you see the connection between um, him and the and the, the the PayPal mafia between that whole um, this like rising counter elite? Does that seem? Um, do you, are you seeing the same thing I am in terms of the the connection there? Yes. Yes, you made a good case. You made a good okay, case. Good. You did good. You did a good job. You're just talking Thank to you. a. I, I don't have much to add when it comes to like politics. You were very interested in this when we were talking about it this morning. 
Well, I was also really bored. I was at work. And... <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that you're not uh, you're not bored now. <laughs> I'm a little bored. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess that's the that's the the gist of what I uh, I put together. I've been wanting to do a Vivek uh, stream for a while, and one of the things that that Jason and I were trying to to we were trying to find that connection, the connection between him and the, the PayPal mafia and their, their, uh, their machinations. Cause I think over the next, I don't know, the next 10 months or so, we're going to see a lot of them. We're going to see a lot of their influence and what they're doing. Um, speaking of Jason tomorrow evening, he, they're going to be publishing the interview that they did with David Weiss, um, the, the flat earth guy. They're going to be publishing that as a, as a, a premiere tomorrow evening. I assume, Jason, correct me if I'm wrong, I assume uh, it was it's 6 or 6.30 Eastern tomorrow evening. Um, and then after that, I'm going to be joining them for a their members-only stream. And one of the things we're going to talk about is a framework that we've been discussing a lot in the Kingpill Discord. Uh, Jason and, and uh, there's a group of us that have been in there talking about all this. Um, it relates to the capital framework that I uh, was talking about uh, a couple weeks ago, um, increasing your own human capital, you have, uh, social capital, uh, intellectual capital, and uh, physical capital. Jason has had some brainwaves recently about the relationship between tribe and civilization. We kind of touched on it the other day, but... Uh, I think wait, 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 wait. It's not that I'm not interested in this topic of Vivek and stuff like that. I was just thinking about it, and it's because you just put to words everything that I was saying earlier, so I'm, I'm not going to repeat you repeating me. Okay. That was sudden. You, uh, you, you, you startled me there for a minute. Please continue. Okay. Um, what was I saying? Uh, oh. Yeah, so the the this framework that Jason has been has been starting to put together really really matches up really nicely with the the, the capital thing that we were talking about, and this is an idea that I think we really are going to be building on a lot more um, over the next several weeks, the rest of this year, because I think it really ties in well to a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about, the generational framework, and this idea of. I mean, no matter what, no matter how 2024 goes, no matter the actual outcome of 2024, the election, the whether the election happens or not, how the election happens, I think that it's going to be clear to those in the future looking back that 2020 was the quote-unquote last election of America. It's a new country. The new country is 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 we're st we're still sorting out exactly what all everything's going to look like and how it's going to go and how every how everything's going to go down. And times may get worse, times may get better. They're probably going to do both. But the eventually after 2024, I think we're going to see really clearly that now this year is like the birth of, um, I don't want to say the birth of a new civilization because that part kind of sounds kind of gay, but like our responsibility is to build a civilization out of wait the mess that is around us right now wait 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 yes do you remember that video where uh trump is like hugging all of the 
oh, <laughs> the, yeah. like retarded yes. Down syndrome Jewish kids. Uh huh. That was pretty cool. Did I save that? <laughs> Can oh, we play God. that? I wanted to see if I could find it, so I could. Um. Oh, here was one. I don't remember exactly what this was, but I remember it was funny. So while we're looking for that one, we'll play this one. Some candlelight? Yeah, yeah. candlelight everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a couple roses on the table for the yeah. ladies? Yeah. A little bit of champagne? The champagne. Yeah. The scotch. Yeah, a little scotch. Damn, okay. <laughs> Dang, bro. If I have too much scotch, so I'll, I'll, I'll have Down syndrome, bro. Some candlelight? <laughs> Vaughn is an absolute gift. I don't think. Uh, maybe I can. <laughs> Trump, Down syndrome, Jews. Uh, oh, no, I can't find it. Oh, well, okay. anyways, if you guys can find a video. Oh, oh here, here, here. I think I found it. Yes, I found it. Oh, I have to like, oh, it's not the edited one. It's just the original. That's eh, not worth it. There's a, there's, there's just a fantastic video of that someone put together of, I think it, I don't remember what video, what, what song it's set to, but, um, it's him with a bunch of, uh, a bunch of Jews, like guys with yarmulkes and, uh, they're, they're, they're all very special and he's just hugging them and like pointing to them. And it's, I miss those days. <laughs> we used to have fun. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> but I do think that, uh, that we are going to have fun, uh, in the future as, uh, Ryan Isaac says, yes, I would say, I don't know if I can say that phrase. I don't know. You can, we can kind of get away with a lot on YouTube now, but I don't know if that phrase would be, would be acceptable. Um, In seriousness, though, like there's, there is we we have a responsibility. This is one of the things we're going to talk about with Jason, or I'm going to talk about with Jason um, after the show tonight or tomorrow night. The the responsibility that we have to build this civilization, to rebuild a civilization. We live in an uncivilized land in an uncivilized time. The task that is before us as men is to actually build a civilization out of this uncivilized world, this particular un uncivilized slice of geography. We have the responsibility to do that. Unfortunately, we have at our disposal tools that do not bind us strictly to this geography. We have the tools, we have the ability to form networks, resources, networks to exchange resources and to organize in a way to actually rebuild civilization. Jason said the other night that you get these guys who are kind of like, oh, Western civilization, and they really identify themselves with the West and, and with, or with America. And you've, he compared them to the guys who are like pining after this girl that broke up with them and they revolve their whole life around like, trying to get back with that girl, but she's moved on, man. 
there's <laughs> it's it's fine to take the things you learned from your your memories with her or whatever and maybe go duplicate those memories and make memories with a new girl whatever is in the future whatever lies ahead of us is not going to be a recovery of western civilization it's not going to be a uh, um, a return to American values. These are all like ideas you've got to get out of your head. We're in a, we're in an equivalent time to when people first began discovering America. Are you telling me I got to get a new wife? Uh, is your wife listening right now? She's going to be heartbroken. <laughs> I think she would miss you. Yeah, probably. A little little bundle of sunshine in her life. Yeah, well, I'm. <laughs> For whatever reason, she seems to really like me. I'm not a bundle of sunshine. <laughs> um, we have, uh, yeah, the proud boy Western chauvinist or whatever. Yeah, it's just you're you're yeah. you're trying to reboot something that ain't going to reboot, and there's a reason why because Western civilization was not an unmitigated good, and in fact. Part of the reason why we're at a point where we could even talk about trying to recover Western civilization or whatever is because of fatal flaws within Western civilization. We're not trying to reboot something from the past. We're creating the future. And in the future, we can create our own civilization. We can found our own civilization, very much akin to the people that came to what we, the place we call America now, and they founded a civilization here. And a lot of them were gay and decided to found a civilization upon a bunch of gay principles. And the time is coming when we will no longer have to um, be, uh, I was gonna say, yeah, well, when we no longer have to uh, uh, subject ourselves to experiencing those principles being thrust upon us. We'll say that. And I think, I think what I'm seeing with Vivek and the apparent connections behind him, um, 2024 is going to be very different than past years. Lots of very interesting stuff's going to happen. It's a great time to be alive. And I am seeking to position myself such that I can benefit from whatever happens in 2024. And it'd be great to have other people around us that are doing the same. Because there's a great opportunity to benefit in a lot of different ways. Again, we have a legitimate presidential candidate who, in the most pessimistic uh, framing of it, listens to Oren McIntyre and cribs his talking points from our corner of the internet. I'd say that that's a win for us. And that that's a win that we can use to generate more wins. That's all I got. Any last thoughts? I love you all. You're going to shed a tear real quick? Make the people feel like you mean it? No. Yeah. I love you, Cooper. I love you, Matthew. I want to, like, 
give you a hickey. <laughs> okay. 